It's the holidays, Johnny. What better thing to do to celebrate than to listen to another episode of Talk About That? Oh, just gather with your friends. Well, don't gather, first of all. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Please don't gather. Uh, They're telling people not to gather. What do you think of all that? What's, what's I think, your... I think I know so many people in the hospital right now. Yeah. And so many things happen. It's crazy. Like my family is going to gather, but I have a deck, you know, so we're keeping all the doors open. We're wearing masks inside. And then we'll serve food there, and I'm putting tables on the deck, and I have patio heaters. And so yeah. once we're out in the open air, I feel much better about it. So we're we're trying to keep our, especially our elderly, safe, you know. So I was thinking the other day, it's the perfect time to, if you don't care for your family. Like, if, <laughs> right. you, if you're hey. just like, because you can be like, call your mother-in-law, look, we so want you here, but... Dr. Fauci said no. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought you were going the other way. Like, it's a perfect time to bring in all the people you don't like to get no, sick. No, no, I just that's mean, really like, dark. It's but, a great, like, built-in excuse. Yeah. Like, man, we were so looking forward Dr. to Fauci. all the kids just running around the house and breaking all my stuff. But Dr. Fauci, what a jerk. Oh, what are we going to do? Can't stand that guy. Fauci said no. Okay. That would be a, uh, who sang that? Who was Mercy said no? Who sang that? Philip Scriggan? No. Oh, Mercy said Was it Casting Crowns? Okay, Mercy said no. Wow, no, you're going way back. Mercy said no. It was the father-son duo. It was... Oh. Um, 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 I know who you're talking about. Jeffrey in the name, didn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like... With Geoffrey. It had like G... Uh, I can't remember. What was it called? Fauci said no. I'm not going to let Fauci you go. Fauci said no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let you go. <laughs> Well, anyway. They had another song called, didn't they have a song called Mercy Came Running or something? Or was that? Yeah, that was, no, that was Phillips Craig and Dean, oh, okay. I believe. We just, we're or, getting all, we're, all the CCM fans. Or as CCM you call fans. them, three him. That's right. <laughs> 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 Phillips Craig and Dean were three him. He's always, he's always said, guys, we're, uh, we're Scarlet Thread. Uh, you go do, do the whole thing you said. No, do. I'm not doing You'd it. So. Like, we, we picked, you know, we wanted to well, call ourselves some other things. Well, we did. We had three different names. Yeah. Five Smooth Stones was our first name. Five and then we found out there were a bunch of those. Yeah. So we changed to, to 11th, 11th Hour. Hour and we made a couple of CDs under that name, yeah. 11th Hour. And then we found like 12 11th Hours. Yeah. So we changed to Scarlet Thread, did our last CD under that name, and then we found a bunch of those too. So we changed to Carmen. <laughs> but that was. <laughs> we used to say, we wanted to call ourselves Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Turns out that was already taken. Then Stephen uh, Curtis Chapman. Yeah. And then, and then you'd say, <laughs> you'd say, uh, to him. That's to what him. we were going to be. Gonna just just to, a duo. Yeah. Yeah, or. For the money. That's right. <laughs> the number four. and then <laughs> For him, not a sponsor, by the way. So, no. Yeah. There is a site online uh, where you buy, uh, I don't know how to say this delicately. I, I hear it on Sports Talk Radio. I listen to Sports Talk Radio a lot. Yeah. There's a site that sells ED medication. And uh -huh. they, they call it, it's called For Hims. Oh, wow. .com, and I'm convinced it's because For Him <laughs> still owns the website. And they wouldn't give it up no matter what because they're like, we're not giving up our website. They probably offered him a you know, million dollars. Look, we have this ED medication. If an ED company wanted JohnnyW.com for a million dollars. 100%. <laughs> 
Guys, if you're listening, <laughs> if there happens to be a weird medication called Johnny W out there, yeah. Johnny is open I am, yeah. to negotiating sure. for his likeness, yeah. <laughs> his website. I'll do the commercials. I don't care. I'll sit, Hi, I'm Johnny W. I'll sit in a bathtub across from <laughs> four feet away from another person. It's the weirdest. It's weird Those image. are the weirdest things. Like, it is. I hate to be graphic. You never know when that moment's going to strike. It's like, I think they, this, right. seems, this seems oddly If the moment planned. strikes, you're in separate bathtubs. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this. It's, but, like, it's not going to work out. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that was odd. But whenever I see that for hymns, I'm like, hymns. Hymns, it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, when I listen to Sports Talk Radio, it's always the hair loss guy in in Nashville, you know? They know their audience, man. They really do. He's, He's one of the DJs, and he... He was like, I, and, and you, I think he's on one of the billboards too yeah. around here. Truly, he has a head of hair now and he didn't before. He's like, and, and it's so easy. All I do is every day on my <laughs> lunch break from 12 to 2, go in for a very easy treatment. I'm like, who in the world can go every day on well, their lunch break? it's not every day still, is it? It's like at least several days a week. Yeah. No, it's no. like a laser treatment. Oh my god! If gosh. you don't go in, it all just falls out. So that's oh. how... How do they laser hair in? That doesn't seem right. They, I think the treatment like stimulates the follicles or oh, whatever. I see. So like the deal is though, I don't want hair so badly. Yeah. That I can't live my life. Like. Oh. Uh, like I can't but, do but that. But wait, do you see on the other side, John? You're gonna <laughs> food tastes better. It's gonna be. <laughs> I'm like the air is cleaner. Maybe if I was single or something, yeah. perhaps. But well, you've kind of established yourself as what you are, and it's you're married for many years. It's a thing. It's like I think if I was if you were out there, yeah, and you were losing your hair, because yeah. they've proven that like. People make more money if they have hair. Well, attractive people in general make more money. I think yeah. they've proven that, uh, which that makes sense. That's just a that's just a dumb caveman thing that we that never went yeah. away. Probably, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel like in life when I look at my successful friends, most of them have hair. Yeah, like I have, but but I'm just going to defy that, Johnny. I'm going to be the. I'm trying to think of someone who's Lex successful. Luther. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go quite success. that pretty diabolical. Yeah, uh, you just, know you got Doctor X. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I can't think of anybody. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to Captain Picard. You can think of a lot of those are both like, the same person, like really. millionaire rich people. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I want to be. But uh, w- maybe they were driven though. Maybe that was the thing. Is like I got it. This idea has to work. My hair's falling out. <laughs> like I got to figure something out here. Uh, you know it. I. I, I don't know. It does. It, I will say, not having the looks, you yeah. know, it does uh, equip me probably to not worry about that as much and just put my head down and go to work. My bald head down. Who was the guy? So, uh, Chris Whittle, who Whittle Communications, uh-huh. who was the the benefactor for the scholarship that you went to school under, right? Yes. So you got a full ride scholarship to UT Knoxville. I did. Whittle Communications, who uh, he was giant. He was a billionaire. I guess he was a billionaire. I don't yes. know if he's multimillionaire at least. So yeah, he was a guy who was that. He was a guy who wore the same outfit every day. Yep. Like Jeff Goldblum's character in The Fly. Yep. Uh, he was a scientist, basically, or a. Uh, I don't know what. I, I don't know what his. What was his? Field his communications. Of, so yeah. he started Channel One. Did you ever have Channel One when you were in school? In school, no. Uh, but I went to like private Christian school, and then I was homeschooled my last two years. So I have a really weird scholastic yeah. journey. But all that said, I knew of Channel One because I had a lot of friends in uh-huh. school, and I know about it. But and then people thought it was going to be like a new world order too. That was the thing. Like even back then, there were conspiracy <laughs> theories that I had I heard circulated in Christian school about Channel One being a way that they get. They, they get ideas in your the, head. Yeah. yeah, they brainwash the kids because it's the TV and that's how they get you. Yeah. Little did we know it would be Facebook. <laughs> we, we invited it all in. 
and that church now has a Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, but no, Channel. I was a private school. We had Channel One. I think it's where, by the way, where Lisa Lean got her start. Oh, okay. Uh, so, um, and we watched it, and it was so cool to us. And news for kids, you know. Right. Yeah, he started that, and then he also began uh, with his company. He started sort of some of the early charter school. Yeah. concepts you know so charter schools comes a lot out of him i actually have a book about him i've never read it it's called empire undone he paid for your school john you didn't read his book well someone i'm sorry yeah so apparently he everything fell apart because the name of the book is empire undone yeah but um yeah i need to read that it's oh it's about his own there. empire yeah someone oh, wrote no. someone wrote about him and and how all the stuff kind of fell i'm sure he's doing fine you know but Man, now he wears one outfit every day, but it's just because that's... <laughs> it's an orange jumpsuit. That's, so. <laughs> the, that's the outfit he has. No, but yeah, he did. He would wear a bow tie. He was a bow tie guy. Oh, man. He'd wear a bow tie. Not a clip on. No. Well, that's a, that's a little complicated. That 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 goes away from the whole idea It might have been a clip on. I don't know. You can have clip on. Because it's like guys. if you're trying to save time by not worrying about... Because his whole mindset, right, was that... Because I remember reading an article about it. Yep. He said, we waste all this time worrying about something that doesn't matter. So I just picked like khakis, a dress shirt... And a blue blazer, and a blue blazer bow tie, and a bow tie, and I wear that every day. And I think Steve Jobs was that way. Yeah. And he always had the black mock turtle and the jeans. Yeah, yeah, I do. I can think the older I get, there's a not. I wouldn't call it vanity. There's just trying to stop the slow descent into you know, yeah, just being so hideous, you know, <laughs> right? Like, or as we call it, getting old. But I just so there are things I do now. Probably again, I think just about. The time I take with clippers to my head is so much more than I spent most of my life. Because you know you got to get the whole thing, Johnny. It's a big head. Nobody helps you. No, no. even in the back, you just you're just trusting that. I, I now shave the back of my own neck wow. because I don't have hair anymore to worry about it. You know, right. like getting that line the same. So used yeah. to have to have Laura come shave up to that line, and make sure it wasn't crooked. Oh, that's true. Because I grow hair in the back of my neck like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Like, it's like another beard back yeah. there. So, yeah, I've but, seen uh, it. It is. It gets rough. A wombat pelt, some used to it say. It is something back there. <laughs> well, uh, I will say this, too. You rescued me a couple days ago. Was it yesterday or two days ago? I don't remember. A couple days. You came, because I called, I ran out of gas. You called, I answered. <laughs> and I came to your rescue. John D said no. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I have a, a GMC Terrain. If you drive a GMC Terrain, maybe you know this, but when it says low fuel, what when you when your car says low fuel, how how long do you have, John? You have two gallons of gas left, probably right. Yeah, but I have again. Mine has the yours does too. My Acura has the digital thing. Will tell you the mileage. Mine does too, and it'll be yeah. I can go all the way down to zero miles. Mine gets to 40, and it says, low fuel. Ding, ding, ding. And it even has a thing that comes up and says, find nearest gas stations. And it'll even, like, it has a, it's a lot of bells and wow. whistles. You have between two and three miles. That's crazy. To get to a gas station. I mean, most miles. I've run out of gas three times in this car. Wow. Three times. Um, we pushed it one time to a gas station. Curry was with me, and we were really close to a gas station, so we tried to push it. And then we got to the last part, and it was uphill, and I was like, oh, no. And mm. some guys got out and helped us. It was really embarrassing. But also just like, hey, what are you going to do? We'd already started pushing. And so it's not happening. Like, you know what, guys out there, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you've already started pushing. Sometimes you think you've got 40 miles, but the devil says no. <laughs> he's he's going to let you wait. wait. And it's uphill. Anyway, go ahead. So I was like... I was driving. We were going to go to lunch, and we're close to the Mount Juliet exit, which is you're off that exit. And I was like, the, "I realize it's sputtering. 
Because I was like, we'll get gas. Because I still had like 43 miles left, it said. And it started sputtering. And literally, as we broke down on the side of the road, the low gas thing came on. Ding, ding, ding. As we as we sped, as we we coasted to a Something's stop. Something's wrong with your car, John. Right. It's not how right. it's, yeah. It's not supposed to work. So it's totally calibrated wrong. And so uh, I don't know if that's just a GMC thing, but it's a bummer. So anyway, I called AAA because I've AAA for many, many years because yeah. I used to drive bomb cars. Yeah. Most most of my life that you knew me, yes, I was driving a what my family called disposable cars. Right, you you buy it for eight hundred bucks, you drive it for a year, you take it to the junkyard, you get another one. Out As of was class, I from out of class. Yeah, 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 that's just how we live. Yeah, and uh, you just hope that you didn't inherit a gigantic mess of problems. And you usually they're good for about six months to a year, and you just go get another one. You're like, all right, look, hey, we got a blue one now. You don't even it's not <laughs> we don't even know the models. You just go look a green one. Uh, a green piece of garbage. But so, yeah, so now, but you drive, we're driving like newer cars, not new cars. I don't, I don't buy new cars, but you drive a newer car. You're like, you feel like it should be dependable, mm-hmm. but no, sometimes John mm. it doesn't work out. But anyway, so I've had AAA forever because it's just AAA was my lifeblood. Cause I've always said I need them three or four times a year, most of my life. So I just have kept it up. Right. Plus I travel now, so I don't want to leave Curry hanging. Right. So she's on the membership. So if I'm ever on the road. She breaks down. I want her to be able to, like, get help. So I don't ever use it anymore because my cars are more dependable. But I call them yesterday, and it's, like, all automated. It was, like, a million questions, and, like, half of them were about COVID. Mm. And I was like, okay. I go, fuel, because they were like, what do you need? And so I said, fuel, because they'll bring you two gallons of gas. That's part fuel! Of yeah. And they were like, I didn't get that. And I was like, oh. just connect me to a person. Have you or your loved ones been exposed to COVID? I was like, no, I didn't get that. No. And then it's just bad. So finally I get to the end of it and they go, they'll be there in 87 minutes. And we're literally, we're half a mile from the exit. And I'm like, I'm calling John. So I call you. Triple J, baby. I think you, (laughs) Triple J. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to think Triple A was people with real drinking problems. No, so... I call you and you pick up and I remember saying like, "Hey, I need a favor. If you got a few minutes, do it." I could feel you losing patience with me. <laughs> no, I was doing it on purpose. Okay, you know, right. that was so. Because you're always doing so. You're always busy, so I never feel like, "Hey, let's call John." He's not. You. So when, I feel like when you call me, you're like, "Johnny will come." <laughs> He's not got kids. He's not doing it. What's he gonna be doing? <laughs> John's like, "I'm sorry, I'm out on a bike ride right now." Yeah, or um, I'm out, sometimes I'm out of town. I'm playing golf with some of my best These friends. These days, I can't even say I'm out of town. All my shows are getting canceled. Oh, but I'm hanging out. I'm watching a movie. It's like, dude, you live an enchanted, an enchanted existence. So, Whatever. But you chose it. Hey, listen, I chose to have kids, so it's it's That's not true. on it's not on you. Anyway, so you graciously and you you got there pretty quick. Oh yeah, I, I, I told you I'm on my way. Yeah, you, did you have gas with you? I did. You already have like a go, the go can. I went to the can because you have your mower at the house. Yeah, I went to the can and it was about half full, and so I thought, okay, that'll be enough. So yeah, you know, but yeah, but I had to go down and turn around at the exit. That was the deal. Yeah. So. You did it, and uh, yeah, she started right up. Thank goodness, but yeah. So John, I couldn't tell she started. It was so loud out there with the trucks coming by. They were they like were was, not getting over a lane. They no. weren't abiding by that. Yeah. I was almost scared to open my door. Yeah, to come meet you because I was like, maybe I should just let John pour this gas. I thought, well, that's too. I don't make him like this. Just get it. It's in the back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep the heat on in here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So we uh, we so I bought you breakfast this morning, but it ended, oh, up, being a, you did it? It ended up being McDonald's because did. you didn't want to go to Cracker Barrel because it was you said teeming with people or that place is crawling. That's what Dude, you it said. was, man. People were walking there like you know. I don't know yeah. if anyone, everyone's heard or not. Yeah. There's a pandemic going on, hmm. and so 
I had a cousin, by the way, who died. I didn't know him that well. He died uh, two weeks ago. And um, that's awful. Families, obviously, I, again, he was older. My mom's family is huge. She's like the second youngest of eight. Oh, man. So I have cousins in their 60s kind of thing that I yeah. don't really know that well. Uh, but he had no pre-existing conditions, but he had a massive stroke Sheesh. because of the blood clotting things that can happen with it. And then I know another friend who's a uh, friend from our past who's in ICU. He's, you know, not doing well. Talked to someone this morning who's one or two neighbors both have just been hospitalized. So point being like, yeah, I'm, you know, I will go in a restaurant as long as it's distance and all those things. But when I just see. Right, Buku's of people. Well, and you can't wait. Cracker Barrel is one of those things where they've jammed it with that store area. Where yeah. you can't walk, so you can't distance in there, and right. you can't stand still because you're now blocking uh-huh. an aisle yeah. of bric-a-brac for people to look at. Yeah. So if you just stand there and go, I'm going to pick a corner of this restaurant to distance in. Yeah. While I wait for my name to be called, people yeah. will like, excuse me, and they're looking for their Christmas ornament or whatever. Uh-huh. They're you're in the way. You're always in the way in Cracker Barrel. Man, that'll preach. <laughs> You ever feel like you're in the way? Yeah, listener? and again, I do wear it's a KN95 uh, mask, and you you were commenting on it this morning because I can speak better because it's, it, a, it's, it's like a, a duckbill kind of thing. It's a it doesn't stick to your lips when you're talking. Convex would be inner, concave is outer, right? So I think concave con- is inward. Okay, so it's I convex. I don't. I don't know. know. Is it a stalactite or a stalagmite? It's a stalagmite. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So, but no, it, yeah. But hey, you didn't have to buy my breakfast because I brought you gas. Johnny, look, I we, just felt like we've covered this before. Like, number one, we don't, we don't do that. We're, uh, we're lifelong friends. Well, no, I just thought, well, if ever there was a time. Yeah. But second. And I did take some of your fuel. But secondly. Like, your gas went into my car. When it comes to who bails the other one out. Right. You're probably still way ahead. Like, yeah. because there's stuff, because you're uh, handy. So, I mean, times over the years, I'm like, dude, I gotta, and you're like, I'll be right there with my toolbox. You know, that's kind true. Of thing. I've changed now, brakes on your car. I can't think of the last time you did anything like that. No. But. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> well, you did a lot in the first, like, 10 years. That's and true. Then, and then we all had enough money finally to hire plumbers and stuff, so. Yeah. But. <clears throat> what you're doing now. Speaking of, yeah, I may have to run any moment, because I now have the third backup of my septic system in the last, like, four weeks, and I've already had people out like crazy lots you of know, repairs done these you rich <clears throat> podcasting personalities <laughs> it's so with true your champagne problems listen i have there i have now learned because i've had to uh manually clear some blockages from the tank uh, yeah just <sighs> let that sink in and then it, don't, no, let don't let it, it sink <laughs> it sinks right into your carpet uh, but i'm gonna tell you i've had some experiences that i can't unsee now no. and i've learned a lot and it's not good. So, but almost, yeah, I, yeah. So it's not been, it's not been. Know. When I was living in the city, which was only like three miles down the road, we were on sewer, and this yeah. never happened. But right, I'm on septic. You just, the, I'm in the, the city. Comes out if there's ever a, a yeah. but there's never there never is. You know, no. because it's all you know flowing through. There's the infrastructure. Season. Yeah, guys, we we ta- we tackle the tough topics here. On, uh, we do. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, like when I, I just never thought of like people living in. A nice home and being on septic. I always grew up thinking like, if you're on a septic tank, you're out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just so weird to think of like people that are just outside the the city limits, but they're in a nice home. But you also have to deal with this kind of stuff where you're like, yeah, yeah I had to call a guy with a truck and he's got to come pump. Yeah, and now they're going to have the apparently the pump that's built into the tank or is in the tank may be bad. So yeah, they're going to have to like. Fish it out, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I asked a, I asked my, a plumber friend yesterday. I was like, dude, what do y'all do? He goes, well, when the tank is empty, you put on a suit and you get down in. I was like, 
Mm-mm. I mean, did, uh, he's my friend, and I, I've legitimately said, Steve, how many times a year <laughs> do you have to do that? Like, I, I was thinking, this is, yeah, and I told you, I'm, I've been on the fence about getting into plumbing yeah. as a profession, and this pushed me back to the yeah. correct side. I don't know. No. He was like, yeah, a couple times a you year. You weren't usually. on the fence. Have you don't ever do anything plumbing? Have you ever done anything plumbing-wise? Yeah. Do you know how to do things? I hate plumbing, but I do it. Uh, yeah, I can, I can, yeah, I can put, like, so this week. Can you glue pipe and solder pipe and stuff? No. But that's, like, like this week I had to, I had to, I had to change out the cartridge in my shower uh, faucet. Not, that's not anything. Johnny, it had been in there for like 20 years, I think. Okay. And I, I was on the phone with my plumber friend. Yeah. And, cause it wasn't working. I couldn't, like everything yeah. was corroded and yeah, it yeah, wouldn't yeah. come. And that and is kind of, that's, I that's, had to jerk on it and I was like, right. am I going to break something and if it does it's just so yeah. you got to go out to the street and shut it off with he was the like no 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 i mean that like beating on it with a mallet like there's all kinds of stuff that i'm so yes i do stuff you shouldn't beat on pipes with mallets but, but you, i had to, he's like what you're gonna have to do you have to loosen it yeah so everything i do with plumbing mm-hmm. there's two things i don't do johnny mm-hmm. or i do and i don't do well or i do and i hate it the whole time i'm doing it because it takes five hours longer than a professional and right the first one is doors yeah doors are tough doors are a pain like to get a door correct correctly into the square Shim, of it, the and shimming of it and the and the moving of unscrewing the screws and putting a shim, like mm. mm-hmm. no or if a door handle if it's not latching correctly you know within it so anyway i do stuff like that but i hate doors and part of the deal is we hung all the doors in this building yeah. if you remember and they're solid wood and so i just remember for like two months of my life we were trying to hang and and readjust doors so i don't like doors and door frames the second one's plumbing yeah. Like, I'll hang a ceiling fan all day long. Well, Electrical doesn't bother right. me, all those things. Plumbing but, uh, in a new space is a different experience where you're just like, oh, I'll glue this pipe. It's a yeah. wide open space. But when you're getting in a crawl space and there's spiders yeah. and possibly, you know, a, a line break where you're down and laying in mush yeah. of, of various descriptions. Yeah. That's a whole thing. That's why plumbers make the money is because they may show up and be like, hey, I just need a new sink vanity installed. And you're like, done. That'll be $400. Or it may be climb under my house where God knows what right. is down there. Put on a hazmat and that's suit. All, and that's also about $400. Yeah. Put so on a suit like, and get into my septic tank. Right. 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 So it's like you want to do the... You want to take care of it when it's all like brand new construction. Is there like National Plumbers Day? I wonder because we need to honor the people we doing should. these jobs. Man. Like there is plumbers out there, man. If you're listening right there now, there was a meme that I saw the other day, and I was thinking about you when you were talking about your septic guy. Because there's a septic tank company that has their truck, their septic tank pumping truck, painted like the General Lee. Wow! And instead of O one, it says O two. It's number two. And I'm not kidding. It says on the side of it, the Dookie Boys. <laughs> no way, Johnny. I can, I'll send it to you. And the name of the truck, just go ahead and guess. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got nothing. It's- the General P. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, so close. That is all true. I was close. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. We could share that to our Twitter account because they, that's 100% true. They went. Is, the this general, a, is this a Nashville thing? Oh, I don't know. I just saw it uh, just randomly on Facebook. That seems like something that you would have done if you ever had to start. Right. Because, you know, our friend, our good friend Seth uh, owns a you know landscaping company, does mm-hmm. tons of, of amazing work. And right. Johnny, you gave him his name. Well, no, no, no. Get Motivated, he came up with. But I, the thing I tried to give him was because he does he wanted to do some things in the fall because he's like yeah business really dies off this is early on now he does like Christmas lights and all kinds of oh, things yeah. landscaping jobs that keeps him busy all year round but back in the day he was like man it slows down once I get through like mulching people's leaves up for them 
I'm, it's dead in October, November, December. Right. So I was like, you need to do a whole thing of like, like fall jobs. And you could say, rake and care of business. <laughs> and then he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> but he did get motivated? I thought you gave no, him No, no, no. I didn't give him get motivated. Wow. I don't know. I think he came up with that. Seth's very punny. He can do it. The funniest thing you ever came with Seth was when he was, he had a very, very long engagement. Yes. And, and so, um, and you wanted him to start to a blog. blog about it and blog about like their experiences and purity. And it was going to be called premarital Seth <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Yeah. He should have done it. That gets me. Yeah. Wow. Premarital Seth. Dot hey, com. <laughs> hey, we actually had a uh, couple new reviews. Okay. Uh, this week. They're both five-star reviews, by the way. That's nice. That's good. Thank you guys for that. We, we ask you to do that. We have five-star listeners. Yeah. And uh, so one of them, though, asked us to talk about a topic. So I'm going to pull that up. Is this going to be hard-hitting? I thought it was a pretty good question. We, we, we've talked about some of this before, but I think, you know, he has to go uh, deeper. So would you mind talking and clarifying about the verse in the Bible that deals with slavery and racism in that time and how it should be read today and how people during American slavery would use it to justify slavery. Just a little bit more about that. Thanks. And that's from, uh, C comedy podcast fan one. That sounds like, like something you made up. Did you put this in here? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So yeah. Hey, thanks for that question. And, uh, I, I, Johnny, do you want to tackle that one or do you, I know that I've seen people who decide to walk away from the faith use this as one of their issues yeah. like either either some uh, semblance of this about how the bible justifies racism if you t- pick and choose verses or if the bible justifies sexism chauvinism of any kind etc and so yeah so there are people who you know cherry pick certain things and and of course there are also fundamentalists on the other sides who yeah they did use it to justify racism but uh we talked we've talked about that before about how like uh, chattel racism is different than, or chattel slavery was different than biblical slavery, right? right. And that what you were? Yeah, you've told me this before. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to get to those verses too. I mean, there uh, definitely was racism in the Bible too. But if anything, like when you think about like how Samaritans were being treated, like Jesus talked about that like it was wrong. He didn't. He wasn't like, yeah, and clearly we all hate the Samaritans, right? He challenged those views. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It, it's a there's there's two things at play here. You know, one certainly is historical. So yes, chattel based slavery is not generally the ancient. Now, I don't want to glorify or lift up ancient slavery like it was great, right? Like you know, um, but it was different. I think we could at least say that chattel based slavery based exclusively upon the race or the, the color of your skin, which there's a lot of debate about race being a social construct. Um, and the deal is ethnicity is very much scriptural. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people use this idea that race is not biblical. They, they, they use it both ways to their advantage in, in, in racist uh, – and how they deal with racist ideas or the, the, the current conversation about it. So one is they say, well, obviously race is in the Bible because we see all the different nations and you can go to Tower of Babel, all those things. And the deal is ethnicity is certainly in the Bible. We don't see a real concept of – black and white or yeah. brown, like race based upon the color mm-hmm. of your skin. So there was certainly um, ethnic bias. It's more like uh, nationalism or... Cultural bias. Yeah. You know, right. A lot of cultural bias. And um, 
Rich you versus know, poor, for sure. Yep. You had, you had all those things were at play. So, I mean, the, 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 the sin of those things was certainly present. Um, it, it generally was based more, though, again, upon your ethnicity, where you're from, what mm-hmm. language you speak, those kinds of things. Slavery in those times was often historically – well, one, doctors and, and teachers, people like that were often household – you would call them slaves, but they were like servants. Right. Uh, and they, their livelihood for the skill they offered was based upon – what they were doing for the household, so they mm-hmm. might they would live there, and you know they were they were again. I'm not trying to glorify it. I'm sure it's different different places, but they were tied to this because they that was how they made their living. And more like an indentured servant, right? But they had wives and husbands and families and other yeah. things that would all be a part, or they might not even live with the master's household, even though they're a slave uh, or a bond servant is another way to say that. So they're bonded to that household, but that they offer a skill. They're basically being paid. You know, currency wasn't always the the, the payment for things. Mm-hmm. So they may be serving the household in other ways, but it's it's a mutual uh, relationship where there's certainly a master. <laughs> uh, even in old old English, the term master was used a lot uh, or lord. You mm-hmm. know, right. uh, and so it wasn't like they owned you. Even if you called them lord, it wasn't the idea. Chattel based slavery is I own you, right? Your property, right? Um, and so so. Understanding that sort of difference, that that was a very unique to um, to nineteenth century slavery, especially American slavery. Um, so, for example, again, chattel based slavery, you're not allowed to marry. If you are, it's not legal. So often they would have marriages that they were not recognized, and obviously there was a lot of rape and a lot of other horrible things. So the master having complete access to whatever he wants, right? Obviously, you have um, lynchings, punishment, beatings, other things that that went completely unpunished because they were legal, because you were considered to be subhuman. So the, the way they did was they started taking a color of someone's skin and making someone subhuman out of that. That certainly is is not biblical. Now, there's a lot of of war between Israel and other people based upon the choices they made or the right. idolatry or all those things, but. Even and, and people really do struggle with that with God. I would encourage anyone to go watch Bible Project videos. Go to BibleProject.com and just start watching through the Old Testament. And, uh, and they give a great, a lot of great historical, I guess, application to those difficulties of the race issues between that seemingly God is, um, you know, endorsing. And in some cases, people think God is causing that, but they kind of give context to what's happening. It's difficult to read an ancient work mm-hmm. through modern eyes and understand all the things that's going in that may not mean the same to them that it means to us but understand that there's that God is not so different in the Old Testament as he is in the New it's, it's a lot of us understanding the dispensations and times and also the context of what that really meant or how God was actually bringing justice through the things he was allowing to happen mm-hmm. so not he was not causing injustice he was bringing justice because of child sacrificing all kinds of abuses things that were happening in other cultures that that he was saying this is not how it should be um but but back to the idea of of ancient slavery versus modern uh this the chattel based slavery of i own a human they or i own a person who is subhuman because of the color of their skin is very much an american thing in 1667 I do believe is the date. This is a, a you, you begin to see things in the laws. This was in Virginia and was not yet obviously a state. There's still a colony, but up to that point 
in Christendom, it was – if someone was baptized, yeah. which meant they became part of the body of Christ, that was, a, that was one of their ways of looking at that. You are now a Christian and so much so that you're baptizing and joining us in this fellowship that generally it was against the Catholic Church and, and the Anglican Church even. It was against their their practices to enslave their brothers and sisters in Christ. So understand right there there's evidence historically of mm-hmm. something different than a lot to the point of the question Lots of people have used these passages, these Pauline passages about slaves obeying their masters, respecting their masters as evidence to enforce chattel-based American slavery. But that is taking it completely out of historical context. We can even see that in the American colonies in 1667. Up to that moment in time, they were there was tension. They were – there was dissonance within their own belief systems yeah. because they did not believe that you could baptize someone and rem- they remain your slaves. Right, because now they're your brother in Christ. You can't enslave your fellow brother. Right, which – So they had to make a workaround. Yep. They had to make a workaround, which again, but we understand – that, that that means it wasn't always that way. Yeah. That means that, that the way it became in the 1800s and 1700s, 1800s is not the way that it was in the church before 1667, even in the colonies. They passed a law saying you can now baptize your slaves, convert them, and also not – you can let them have spiritual freedom without granting to them physical freedom. And they freedom. had to make a statement, didn't they? It was in a law. The, yeah. But I'm saying, didn't you oh, say something yeah, that made yeah, a yeah. statement in front of the church? I understand that this does not free me yep. from my slavery. Yep. This only frees me spiritually. They had to say that? What well, a crazy... Or, or, or sign something. Yeah, their confession of faith Ugh. included their own, like, I'm still going to be owned by these people. How? It doesn't free me. So, so evil, man. So that's a complicit yeah. moment in time where, and right. people don't know those kinds of things. And so, but, but, you know, whether or not, yes, it's a horrible atrocity that that thing happened, but... It also proves that it wasn't always that way. They had to – someone somewhere chose to begin making changes. Yeah. Right. And then you trickle down. You forget that someone made that choice and everyone just starts thinking, oh, that's how it always is. Yeah. Oh, that, that was just natural for people to think that, that black people were subhuman in 1900. No, it wasn't. It may have been natural for people who are now three generations, four generations into that process, but it wasn't always natural. Someone chose that at some point. That's, that's the danger of making big changes that you don't know how they're going to trickle down because mm-hmm. – your children's children don't know that there was a choice made. They just think this is reality. So that's why we. That's why history is so important to see the choices and, and see that we can still make choices today. Um, but to that point, then, and I read it. There's an amazing book everyone should go read. It's called Reading While Black by Dr. Esau Macaulay, and I'm quoting him a lot in the book that I'm writing now. But he he talks a lot about these things, and he's a theologian and just brilliant. Um, and so he. He points out several things about these passages. Um, one, he points out – let's go to Romans 13 for a second. So Romans 13 is another thing that people really struggle with in, in terms of obey the government or not obey the government. Yeah. And, and so it says to obey the government. But there's things embedded in that that we really, really overlook. And so I'm going to read you a little bit of it. Let every person, verse 1, be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to do to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. 
But if you do wrong, be afraid, for you does not for he does not bear the sword in vain. So, okay, people use that, for example, you know, to a hundred things. Take it into the modern rioting issues of, wait a second, you know, you're coming against authority. So, no, mind you, if you really take it back logically, by that verse, we shouldn't have the United States of America. Right, because we should have just stayed in England. Right. So, so the rebellion. So, one, there's there's one like place of yeah, cognitive I've never dissonance. heard anybody say that, but yeah. that's really true. Yeah. I mean, like we were already in rebellion. Yeah. Like we literally. But we always think of ourselves as the city on a hill. Yep. And we're the good ones, though. Yep. Everybody always thinks of themselves as the good guy in the story. That's right. the thing is when when you really read the Bible, it forces you, and you really understand the gospel. It forces you to look at yourself as the bad guy as in the, the story. antagonist. Yeah. yeah, and you have to go, ooh, what if I'm the bad guy here? Yeah. But we never want to do that, no. and that's a very American thing, yeah. is that we're the hero. We're the ones who everybody looks to, right. uh, and we got to be the example. And now when you start looking at like how other countries are viewing us the last few years, the last 10 years, you just go... I don't, you know, we're just, yeah. Well, hey, go read Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chenot, and you'll realize, just just go through the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. They were having these conversations then. We've, right. we've just forgotten about them. But the Tories or the British sympathizers who were loyal to the crown because they'd made a vow. And the, I mean, the colonists are British citizens. Yeah. So it was a big deal over right. over taxation and over an overreach of government power for them to well, do Well, and I'm glad did. we I, I want to say this. I'm glad we yes, left. Yes, I think it was the right move. <laughs> I don't people thinking like Johnny thinks we should still be in the British colonies. No, my point is though, it's it's so funny how we get to pick and choose yeah. what rebellion against authority seems right to us to your point. Well, and it's always about who's in office too, right? If it right. it's like people want to I mean, I remember growing up for real, now that's not necessarily my parents, but hearing all the time if a Republican was in office, you got to obey him. He's your president. If a Democrat in office, he might be the Antichrist. <laughs> right. You right. start looking for evidence that yep. he was the Antichrist. It's like, this is very suspect. Right. Because the Antichrist is definitely going to come to the United States. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. completely biblical, right? It has nothing <laughs> to do with the Middle East or Israel. Or, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so um, that was sarcasm. I'm sorry. I should have been less sarcastic. But um, yeah, well, like, I, I think to the current, and I'm, I'm trying, really trying to stay out of current things, but at least, at least it plays into it. Like, you you said you read a stat that yeah. like something like fifty percent of Republicans believe that the election was rigged. You know that's an insane number. Yeah, it's a high number. It's a high number. And even though like all the cases have been thrown out, there's been no real evidence shown. Yeah, aren't it, they like one in fourteen? I'd like to be clear about this. I believe in the process. And I, don't, I hope it goes through the process I, so I, that it can be proven. But it's like that when yeah. you're a conspiracy person. No evidence is the evidence to you. When right. you go, this is how deep it goes because there's no evidence. That just shows how good the cover-up is. It's like there's nothing that can satisfy you. There have been multiple judges in like four states who have dismissed multiple suits so far. And the thing about the judicial branch of the government is even though they will say they're a conservative or a liberal judge, mm-hmm. like they're they're not moved by partisan politics. Right. There really is a law. You know, and that they are supposed to hold to it. And so I know we're, I know people are concerned about conservative justices on the Supreme Court, all those kinds of things. But often those conservative justices rule in a way the conservatives don't like. Right. Because they interpret the law and the justice. The Constitution is their boss. It's supposed to be blind. Right. right? And so that they interpret it for where we are. And so, yes, when I see like, okay, 10 judges have thrown out cases because, and they're happy to hear it. Bring us the evidence. 
and, and if they don't have any evidence or any yeah, proof, or or they if go, it's just rambling. Like some of these court transcripts, they're of just what, like Julian is bringing is it's rambling. It's insane. I think he's making something like twenty thousand dollars a day. Well, and to, again, to bring these cases. To everyone to be clear, I'm not above thinking that there could be uh, a problem in elections. What I'm above thinking is because of an because by the way, justice is based upon not adhering to an outcome. This is so key, okay, and now we're really deep into it. One of the issues with Black Lives Matter, the organization, okay, that one of the issues I think that is that is clear, because I don't support the organization, but I do support the sentiment, the statement, all those things. And I think that I think that there are a lot of good Christians who take some of the positive parts of the organization that are trying to bring awareness and all that. I'm not saying right. someone we shouldn't listen to at all. But on their website, if you go to their website, they basically say they started in response to the jury's decision in the trial of George Zimmerman after the Trayvon Martin. Right. And, and there's something fundamentally wrong with saying we are, we are against an outcome. And so – Not the process, the outcome. Right. So Eric Holder, the attorney general at the time, under Barack Obama mm-hmm. – the Justice Department did a full-scale investigation. So these are two black men mm-hmm. in a very liberal administration did a full-scale investigation of the judicial process. So you had a jury of both black and white people. You had all the evidence presented. What they basically came to the conclusion was is there's not enough evidence under – and this is how ju- the justice system works. You have right. to have evidence to prove a conviction. Yeah. And there, it's not there. Yeah, you can't decide at the end, I didn't like the outcome, so the whole process must be broken. You right. can examine the process and see if it's broken. Sure. And the process is broken in a lot of things in our justice system. Right. And I think they were dealing with that. But Eric Holder came out and said, guys, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, And if they were looking for it, because if it was there, they no one wanted to find it more. Right. But but justice at some point says, hey, the way that reasonable doubt, the way that yeah. uh, innocent until proven guilty, the things that protect us in the justice system in this particular case. So I'm not saying that George Zimmerman didn't do it in cold blood. I'm just saying the justice system found that there wasn't enough evidence to convict him of that. It was found by black and white people. It was followed up with by an auditing process of this of the Justice Department under a liberal administration who found that same thing. So the point is we can all and should mourn the death of Trayvon Martin. That, that's a tragedy regardless. It's a right. tragedy for the community. It's a tragedy for all those things. And more than the things that got them there, absolutely, that uh, there was certainly race, I think, involved in the interaction. Right. And let's look at whether stand your ground laws open the door for this kind of thing to happen. Look at all of those things. But yeah. at the end of the day, that one particular case, when you say, I'm starting my organization because that outcome, though everyone is saying was done justly, is, is wrong. So my, my point of that is, is when we now, let's flip that script, we have a very similar thing happening that people are saying they're not, th- there's a chance that people may be tempted to not look at the outcome. Well, and the fact that there's no protests in North Carolina where he won. Right. Or in Arizona where the- No, there's no fraud there. Why? Because he, he won. won. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> or in Arizona where yeah. as they were continuing to count the mail-in ballots- Trump was gaining because the population there was older Republicans right. who had mailed in their ballots, mm-hmm. and they weren't having a like. We're, or military absentee, which a lot of times go his way. Right. Justice yeah. says you have to evaluate all things the same, regardless of whether the outcome is something you desire. It's the def, It's it's like the right. key to American Justice democracy. Is blind. Right. Has to be. So that that whole thing is what I'm saying. The same for this question about slavery. 
is that people were using scripture then in American-based chattel to their advantage. And this is what Dr. McCauley, this is the full circle, Johnny says, on Romans 13. He says that there is embedded in this something that none of us have ever been taught, that we're all skipping over. He says, and it's right here in verse 3, for rulers. Now, he goes into the whole thing about Roman soldiers became police during uh, their time because the Roman Empire became so big, they instituted soldiers who weren't even always in uniform. They were there to keep the peace, to to rule. Mm-hmm. So there's not just rulers who are um, the kings, but this is the system of justice that he makes a, a much more in-depth theological and historical case than I can because, again, he's a scholar, that, that basically a lot of the policing systems of the Roman Empire could be comparable to what we have today. Yeah. So there are people on the ground enforcing the law to keep the peace. So those people are not a terror, the Bible says, to good conduct but to bad. Uh, do what is good and you will receive their approval for he's God's servant for your good. So there's something there that when they're using verses like this in the 18, 19, 20th century, that like they're, they're using these verses to, to try to get whether it's black people or slaves or Under Jim Crow, you obey the government no matter what happens. Yeah. They're, they're leaving out the part that is directed towards the system and towards the rulers, and that is that actually these exist appointed by God to protect you. Mm-hmm. And it, it blatantly says if you've done nothing wrong, you have nothing to fear. So when people who have done nothing wrong are afraid because there's – harm being done to them by those rulers, right. then you have now... The scripture's not... That's not what the scripture, not what the scripture was saying, right. Yeah. It's being applied differently than yeah. it was intended because it's you're only applying it to the people you're subjugating and not to those who you're supposed to be serving as those who are in authority. I think that applies to church across the board and everything. If you have a pastor in your life that's not the first one to serve or the first one to clean yeah. or the first one... If he feels these different places, like if he's truly appointed by God that he may be missing the mission. It's true of our politicians. Like the, these, there's, a, there's a time in life that you called these things public service right for a reason well in the same way i grew up with that my mom was always like don't don't speak bad about the man of god right she would use that scripture and talk about like uh you know like the call of god is about repentance and we have to and, and meanwhile there might have been an abuse or something that i was pointing out well this person's obviously they're doing something anterior to what we believe yeah but she believes so strongly in that thing of like we don't know the you know the anointed we don't we don't touch touch not yeah. mine anointed that was a big thing with her yeah. so it's like to your same point like when we walk when you've when you're not doing the thing that the anointed man does like you no longer have that protection right you may be and I don't think everybody's got to be perfect in this but yeah the, the God's ways lead us if come. anything he held people to a higher standard when they took that call certainly that's biblical. That you will be held as as you as you lead, and as a leader, it's not like everything. It's, it's these two ways of thinking. One way is because I'm the leader, that means God appointed me, and that means what I'm doing must be right. Yeah, like that. That's kind of the whole thought process. Might makes right. Right. That if God put me here, then what I'm doing must be right. As opposed to the humble leader that goes, if God allowed me to do this role, that means I need to more humbly make sure what I'm doing is right. Yeah. <laughs> that it's being aligned with God's ways constantly. I should be the first one to be calling, to be confessing and calling attention to the things that are not because I have a different level of accountability for those things. I think, again, 
just let's just clear things up with the election side of that. My whole point of that conversation is I want the judges to rule, but I, I have a hard time believing that 10 to 15 judges across various states, across various liberal and conservative viewpoints, all are involved in some vast conspiracy. I, I, I find that hard to believe because at some point in time now I'm undercutting the very justice system that holds all this together right. that needs to be looked at, all those things. But I think at some point in time I go, man, and when we don't apply the same principles to places where the candidate that we wanted to win is ahead, when we're not applying it equally across, that also violates principles of justice. And I'm not saying the Democrats and Republicans can't both do that. I'm not, in, I'm not vilifying one well, that's or the other. The other thing we always do is like it's always our guys that would have cheated – Right. The other side, the, the other side would have cheated. Our guys would never have. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's no way that there's. It, it, it's it, that's the thing when you make yourself the hero of your own story. It's a very dangerous way to live. It's, it, it can't be. It, it, the reason it's dangerous is not because like God's against you on it. It's that God's for you and is inviting you not to live that way because it always leads to the wrong place. Yeah. Like there's things. It's just it's it's such a turn that we have to to understand. Um, look, if the Supreme Court in in Pennsylvania, because they have a Supreme Court as well, and they just did. If if they rule a certain way, it's like, hey, we've now we're doing recounts, we're certifying. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, look, I'm great. Everybody should recount. That's awesome. And a lot of them already do it anyway. It's built in. Like recount, do all those things, regardless of the outcome. Like I have lived plenty of times in my lifetime where the president in office was not the one that I voted for. Yeah. Like that that's happened, and it's happened for every American citizen who's ever lived. At some point in time, it's actually kind of the beauty of all of this and i'm not trying to wax eloquent but this peaceful transition of power this tension in which we live right. that we don't to not undermine the whole system just because your guy didn't win right to do that is very dangerous yeah like it undercuts so it, it, what it means is is in four years people may not vote next right. time Voter because they, they, they can't in. they can't yeah. trust it you have other people that now no matter what happens they're not going to adhere to the policies of the government which is not just the president but, like, there's going to be a whole new... Right. The cynicism that can set in from this, where you have an obstructionist yep. way that you govern, which I believe in checks and balances. If we had an obstructionist, uh, you know, Senate and House or whatever, let's say you had somebody in, pol- in, in power on the president's side that was being obstructed by the other side, in a way that can be good, honestly, because I just I believe in checks and balances in a big way, where you just don't ha- you don't have somebody just be like I'll just you know when you have somebody that's just like in total they're going to lead with yeah, you rarely how- you rarely want the same party in the White yeah. House and in the Senate and in the House like yeah. you you want there of course, to be now you have people just like writing executive orders that's become such a thing where it's just like the president's power to just like I'll just do what I want anyway. And like, the next administration writes executive orders to reverse the first administration. Yeah, yeah uh, immediately. Yeah, but yeah. So in general, like the idea that. We're going to have obstructionist parties in government obstructing what the president wants to do, no matter what, who it ends up being. That's one thing. But when you have 50% of people from one party believing in a lost cause narrative that's being pitched, almost like the end of the Civil War, yeah. that's the dangerous part. That's when you have people who are going to try to assassinate Biden, right. you know, because they'll believe – He's not justly in office. Right. This is crime what he's done. And it'll be just for me to now go exact vengeance. Like that's the kind of thing that happens when you get these conspiracy theories rolling is nutcases happen. Oh, and it already did, by the way. I mean, let's not forget that the the uh, militia group in Michigan that 
had a whole conspiracy to kidnap the governor of right. Michigan. They were staking out her vacation home, you know, and you in their minds, they think that they're doing something just right. because she's a radical liberal who doesn't have the right uh, to tell them they can't, they have to wear masks or whatever that mm-hmm. they're upset about. And stoking those kinds of things is very, they're always out there, but stoking that kind of mindset to go, look, it is really okay for you to do something, for you to think that's like the American Revolution, maybe going too far. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we, we need to, we need to point out, like, listen, there's, you have to choose somewhere. Uh, this certainly, and I just made the case from Romans 13 that, yeah, when government officials are not, then, you know, I think, and this is what Macaulay says, it's really important. He goes, look, there is a sovereignty, though. God may allow you to live under an, an unjust uh, yeah. system for a season. And that there's a mystery to that sovereignty we don't know. It doesn't mean that, you know, what it means is it's okay for you to speak truth. It's okay for you to try to, especially a democracy, to adjust the system where it should be adjusted. Like, it doesn't mean that you have to just shut up and act like that injustice is God's will because you're under a certain system. Like you're allowed to say this is unjust and that needs to be adjusted. And especially with elected officials, like you could do that. It doesn't mean that you should go kidnap the president. No, I don't think, I don't think it qualifies you to do that. Right. But when your people are being kidnapped, I mean, you know, like 2 million people kidnapped from Africa and forced into slavery, you know, and under a system of justice, like, there's, it's no wonder. I read a Frederick, Frederick Douglass quote talking about how black people viewed the 4th of July in their mm-hmm. time and what an atrocity it was to them to see, to hear and see the fireworks and hear all of this rhetoric about freedom and justice and in a, in a, while they're literally being subjugated to slavery. I mean, again, he was a freed slave like or a former slave. I actually, he may have run away. I can't remember. But like that – you just go there. Yeah. Yeah. It's different, different viewpoint. Just the juxtaposition of those two things for someone who is being told they're not even human, Mm -hmm. a whole human, that's gotta be a hard, you know, place to live. So, but I think, I hope we've wrapped up that question because I think it does all apply the same thing. Like, Hey, the scriptures that have been used throughout history and American history to justify American based slavery are most definitely taken out of context. Um, the ones slave obey, slaves obey your masters meant something different in their time uh, than it does in our time. Certainly, then the traditions even of church history, where we allowed ourselves to—it's funny. So, slaves are subhuman, but they can be converted. I mean, all like right. you go down that whole pathway of how much dissonance was in all of their ways of thinking. And here's the other thing: they, a lot of them, knew it at the time. And they hated it even once there was a lot of, of, the, of the founders felt that there was no choice but to have slavery. Because, right. Because pragmatism because of like who's going to who's going to yeah. harvest the crops. How are we gonna, gonna, think about the land. The country mass. will fall apart. Yeah. They had just inherited yeah. or just excuse me. Inherited is the wrong word. They just were taking over this enormous land mass and claiming it. Yeah. And so how are we going to possibly move yeah. this nation forward where we have stability and security and not cannot be attacked right. by Spain tomorrow? Yeah. You so know? you li- you align your beliefs with this wrong thinking because you don't know another way. It's it's. We're seeing it on a smaller scale now uh, with uh, Christians who won't believe in global warming or countries that won't believe in global warming. Like we pulled out, yeah. even though you know 99.9% of scientists believe it's tr- happening and we have to act now, but we're so tied to the oil industry 
that we just align our pragmatic beliefs with, well, it can't be real because how would we live? It'll disrupt the entire global economy if we don't have oil. Yeah, and instead of like... just going to drill everywhere. There's got to be a middle ground to go, hey, guys, doesn't mean we have to kill the oil industry today. Yeah. It, it mean you know, and I think there's that. And there are a lot of companies who are finding a way. Like, well, we could do things cleaner. Yeah, we can do things less disruptive to the environment. We can begin to have hybrids. We can begin to have, like, there, there, there's a middle way of. I think that's the whole point. When we say, "Now the Bible says slavery is okay," like we choose this extreme lane of a very narrow interpretation, and it's un. Our minds are unopen to any sort of correction or thought process to the other side. We just decry that as liberal, radical, socialist nonsense. Right. And it's like that that way of thinking is very from Proverbs. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. I mean, that, that's such a key. A only fool, in expressing his own opinion. But only in expressing his opinion. So like for any of us, liberal, uh, for conservatives, for Christians, for non-Christians, like that, that first rings true in everyone's marriage. It rings true. Like when you don't want to understand, you just want to express your opinion, it leads to all kinds of foolishness and foolishness leads to destruction. It's just the, it's just the way it works regardless of religion or, yeah. or political affinity and all those things. So I just, I think to say, look, the goal would be that I am so, and I do, I have, I, I am a conservative who have much more further right conservative friends and I, I'm trying to listen to them. You know, not just dismiss uh, things that for me historically or politically don't line up because, I, you know, I just don't see it because there there are some points I could hear there and possibly listening will help because, you know, if you just dismiss everybody, yeah, dismiss yeah. the far right, dismiss the far left. And, you know, truthfully, it sounds like we're trying to get everybody to become centrists, but I don't think that's the case. I just think wisdom is found in not calling off the thought process. Don't just call off thought because I've made my decision. You're going to have to keep thinking in that tension. I'm going to have to keep thinking no matter what I'm thinking today. Right, or just demonizing the other side. They're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the idea, you know, it's just having your mind opened. I used to be afraid of having my mind opened, you know? Uh, I would, when somebody would talk about something like the death penalty, I'd be like, well, the death penalty just is what it is. I mean, this guy, if you kill somebody, I mean, you think, and then you start looking at like the, how broken our justice system is and you start seeing things like the innocence project and people who have been in jail for 30 years for a crime they weren't even at and we can prove it now. And then you just go, how many of those are there like that? Who got a public defender because they're broke and they have a different justice system than I have. And now they're on death row. I'm not willing to let that per- – that's the whole idea of our justice system is like it's better to set 30, you know, 100 people uh, that are guilty free than to have one innocent person. So we have that. We have innocent people in jail. So now that we know that's happening, I can't be pro-death penalty anymore. So that's a very liberal idea to some people. Right. To me, it's a very sensible idea because we know the system is different right? than what we thought it was. So now that I have more information – I can make a more educated view that might line, line up as progressive or liberal to somebody, but it, to me, it's just common sense. Right. And, and there are plenty of, by the way, ultra-conservative politicians in power who are anti-death penalty. Yeah. Who, because when they're the ones who have to give the go. Right. Like, it's a big thing. So it's easy. It's, it's really easy from the cheap seats for us to be like, yeah. And it's like, right. Yeah, it, feel, it feels like justice to us to go, he killed somebody, kill him. But when we know now that like, okay, there's a lot of factors in play. Yep. There was only eyewitness testimony, which we know now, like the longer, like if you watch these documentaries, man, about eyewitness testimonies, the most, 
the most jarring to a jury. In other words, it's the most, it moves the needle the most for them if they go, it was him, and they point. And now we realize now that we know about human condition, we know about human sociology now, years and decades of this, it's the least reliable. Yeah. And it's the most, it moves the needle the most for the jury, and it's the least reliable. So how many people do you think have been convicted? I mean, on on an eyewitness testimony that are in jail right now. So when you just look at that, it just goes, it doesn't make sense to me anymore. Yes, are they on the government dole forever? Are there people that we know are guilty that have confessed or whatever that we could get off the... But there's so many people that we don't know that about that I just go, it's not worth it. So that's that's an, that's just an example of being a centrist and the tension that I live in because of it. Because I may hold something that might have been considered a very progressive idea 20 years ago. But I'm just going, I'm just looking at the evidence. Yeah. And I've modified my beliefs. The real question is, is when you begin to modify your beliefs, how will people choose I think this is this is important. If I choose then to go, well, Johnny's right. Johnny is now you. a complete right. pigeonhole. You and and that I, I think I think about Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, who are politically like the worst of enemies. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one's anti-slavery, one's pro-slavery, uh, one states' rights, one's big federal government. Uh, both presidents, you know, like there, there's so many things in their time. Like they were, they were bitter enemies. It's just like me and you. It's just like us. But then one it? day, Adams needed gas, <laughs> and he was able to call. <laughs> <laughs> but in their later years, after they both had left the White House, yeah, it wasn't a White House yet. I don't think I'm trying to think. When, sorry, but when they had left the presidency, mm-hmm. like they basically became friends like really close friends wrote tons of letters to each other especially died but by the way on the same day yeah i remember this yeah they died on the same day you know and at the same age if i remember like it was just it was this it's this sort of it almost seems like too neat like a mystic connection true yeah yeah. like they represent the country in so many ways because you know they both were patriots right uh and they both thought of that patriotism in different ways that were right and they debated in their their parties and their factions really warred against each other yet they respected one another right. and even developed uh not just friendship but i mean affection for one another over time and they in, in fact both of them having sat in the chair making those big decisions i think that there was a sense of grace or mercy and i think you see that among presidents now uh you know it's so funny uh george h bush became great friends with the foundation together with bill clinton yeah they raised money for for charity tons of different times for natural disasters if you read george w's biography of his father called 41 it's a a little short little book but he writes about his dad's story basically he talks about that how how there was a there was something bigger than their politics and Mm -hmm. they came together and didn't agree on a thousand things but they had a real friendship you know and i just think like why is that such a foreign like when that becomes a foreign concept we really are in trouble to say hey and i know issues like slavery and issues like racism those are difficult things it's gonna be difficult for me to be friends with somebody who uh is openly a white supremacist like i don't know if we're gonna be able to share a lot of life together because that's going to be and i get that that's going to be probably a deal breaker yeah yeah so everybody's deal breakers have just moved so much now now a deal breaker is if you don't share my viewpoints on right. uh social media or my viewpoints on whether right. there's a vast conspiracy if i want universal health care i'm all of a sudden like the, a communist i'm the enemy i'm the right. enemy. yeah it's like 
I just don't or, want people. Yeah, I just don't want people to go bankrupt if they get cancer. Yeah, <laughs> or you know, or somebody who literally, I, I have friends and family who, truthfully, if you ask them, they can't conceive anymore of a Democrat being a Christian. Mm-hmm. And I go, guys, we've gotten way yeah, we've too moved, narrow. We've moved it. We've moved the you bar. You ever heard of Jimmy Carter? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, y'all know that's not how it's always been. This is a very modern mindset. But now you're saying your deal breaker it comes down to a political party. And, and I know a lot of people will add abortion and those things as their, as their deal breaker. But they're not seeing any nuance in the issues because they're never actually talking to somebody so they can learn what those things are about. They're just feeding whatever their own media side gives them. Or as you said today, there really is no media hardly anymore that influences. It's now social media. We are the reporters. We are the media. So when the yeah. whole thing are like, this media conspiracy, it's like, hold on. We've got millions of media outlets now because you're a media yeah. outlet. And what you let come through, what you retweet, what you share, it affects people. And it, yeah. it changes the mindset of some people. It's sad, but it does. And now even like the either liberal or conservative networks that you used to trust every word they said mm-hmm. as, as almost scripture until they begin to call things in this election in a way you didn't like it. Oh, wow, and yeah. And suddenly now you abandon what has been, especially on the conservative side with Fox News, a mainstay like the only supposedly fair and balanced way. Right. And when they said something you didn't like, suddenly they're now in the conspiracy. Yeah. Again, that's the whole point. Like that's seeking outcomes at some point. I'm not saying they can't be in a conspiracy. I'm just saying it's, it should at least cause you to pause and go, if I've always trusted every single word of this, which maybe you shouldn't have in the first place from either liberal or conservative media, I'm saying, but if you did, if you just bought it hook, line, and sinker right. until the moment they said something that you didn't like, and suddenly now they are the devil. You know, there's a whole new conservative media company coming up. I think it's Newsmax or whatever. Like, like the conservatives are abandoning <laughs> the one that, that kind of brought them to the dance a little bit just because they don't like the outcome. My favorite Newsmax story that I saw was one that said they called the election for Biden while Trump was playing golf to ruin his round of golf. That was a real Newsmax story. Wow. That that was one of the conspiracies. They just wanted to ruin his round of golf. I was like, "This is news. Yeah. This can't be. We can't. We can't right. accept this." <laughs> right. So yeah, do the recounts. Count them all. Get them. If there's if there's fraud, sniff it out. Put the investigators on it. I mean, let the judges, let the courts. I'm all about all of it. And when that process goes through, I'm going to accept its outcome. And, and then I, you're going to take your payout from George Soros. And I believe you're that the justice this, system John. can have problems. Obviously, we're talking about that a lot. It needs to be it needs to be adjusted. But there is also an, there is also safety and abundance of counselors. What that means is there's a lot of judges, a lot of of people who are lawyers on both sides, a lot that's bringing more safety to this for me who are conservative and liberal together, right. all looking at it. And there's a lot of secretary of states of states who are both Republican and Democrat who are certifying results. There's a lot of great people who just are public servants in their counties and in their cities who aren't making right. anything. They're volunteers. Right. Yeah. Who, are, who are not They're willing. Being sued. Some of these people are being sued that are like uh, delegates yeah. that are supposed to be electors. And they're already like being sued before they can even cast their... Like they're not, yeah. And they're going to go cast based upon what the population voted in yeah. their in their county or in their state because that's what the law says. And they're going to go cast a vote often for a candidate they don't personally like. Right. Yeah. But they're going to do it because they serve the people. So, again, pardon me. I'm not – I know we got to keep te- dealing with the system. But at some point in time, I think, hey, guys, just watch yourself on either side, either side. If, if – if, uh, God's honest truth. If this was happening in reverse – 
and it was uh, it was uh, you know the Democrats who were saying the whole thing was rigged. I would be saying identical yeah, words. You got, yeah, you have to let it go. At some point in time, I go look, guys, we're gonna you know so so and if and if it just I think this is the pastoral side of me. If it's just like infuriating you and you're not ever going to listen and talk about that again because we dared to mention something about centrist equity in the well, justice they've already, system. They've already turned it off. Then, guys, I'm just telling you, I love you well enough to tell you, like, I'll say it like this. If you think everyone who thinks complete any in any way different than you do is a dangerous radical, then by definition, you are a dangerous radical. That's what dangerous radicals think. That everybody else right. who does who thinks in any – you it's okay to know people think differently than you, and you can think that they're wrong. But if you think it's dangerous to think differently than you, mm-hmm. if it's only dangerous and radical to be the exact or, – or, excuse me, any sort of minutia difference than you, then whether you realize it or not, you're in the dangerous radical right, mindset. you're an extremist. <laughs> so, all right. Well, anyway, I don't know how we got there, but I think we answered all the questions today. I so. think today's show was dangerously radical, <laughs> like in an 80s kind of way, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like radical. a cool, like cartoon dog yeah. on a skateboard. Radical, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, the kids are saying "rad" a little bit now again. No, some of them are. Okay. like in the middle school and stuff. Are they, they wearing came... parachute pants though? Is that no, coming back? Not yet. Oh, They're not to. tight rolling jeans yet either. Parachute pants are great because it was like, is somebody following me? You didn't know for sure. You shoom shoom shoom. You'd look behind you every now and again. That's great. And listener, we appreciate you following us on, <laughs> on social media. Uh, we appreciate the reviews and uh, letting us uh, walk through this crazy time uh, with you together as we're all figuring it out. So I'd like to point out everything we say is not necessarily right either. And we're just going to try to be thoughtful. We don't have sponsors to offend. That's what's great. <laughs> That's right. We do have Patreon patrons, okay. though. That's true. And we, we hope we don't offend you. So We appreciate uh, you. Yeah. You guys can go check out our Patreon account at... Our website, Johnny, which is at... Talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Dot com. So go check that out. Uh, share it. Uh, you know, let let your friends and family know about, hopefully, just, you know, thoughtful, fun conversations happening, uh, even in the middle of, like you said, all the crazy things in this world. Because we can still be thoughtful, have fun, trust the Lord, and be wise, uh, even when things are difficult around us. This is when all those things hold. So, uh, and we're going to enjoy life and do it together. So, uh, Johnny, I hope you uh, break down again soon so I can come rescue you. Oh, it's um, the best. It'd be great. Just felt, you, know, you just... Free breakfast. You just swaddled just, me in your strong arms. It's going to be okay, Johnny. You really did. Actually, I couldn't hear anything at all. He didn't so. swaddle me. He just gave me some gas, and then I took off. That's right. <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to take off. So we'll see you next time on Talk About That. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.